We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are going to start to our journey towards uh, Christmas today. It's, it's not that far away. It's uh, less than a month away. And in the Christmas story, we tend to uh, focus on the day of Jesus' birth or the events around um, that maybe that night of his birth, or maybe we zoom out further and look at the circumstances around the angel visiting Mary and the conception and all that sort of thing. Um, however, the Christmas story began way before all those events happened in Nazareth and in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. The big story of Christmas is the account of a king becoming a servant, and that servant becoming our Lord and Saviour and King. So as you see on the screen, we're calling this series over the next few weeks that we're looking at the Servant King. And one of the passages that will be foundation to, to all of this is in Philippians 2 verse 5. So let's have a read of that now. Philippians 2 verse 5 explains how this King of all, the King of the universe, the King who created the world we live in, became one of us. Philippians 2 verse 5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. In other words, Christ was, is and was God. And he had all the privileges of being God. All the rights. He could do whatever he wanted. But he didn't see that as something he needed to hold on to and hold on to that as a right. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So thousands of years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he made the choice to give up his rightful kingship and become a servant to God's purposes in order to save humanity from their sin. Now, we know that this was in the mind of God centuries before it happened because 700 years, get your head around that, 700 years is a long time. 700 years ago, so it, for us that would be like, you know, the 14th century, you know, crazy amount of time ago. So long before Jesus was born, Isaiah, who was one of the prophets of Israel, predicted, well, didn't predict, he prophesied who this Messiah would be, that God would come in person. Isaiah 7.14 says this, Therefore, the Lord himself, God, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Now, what does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel means that God became one of us. He became flesh and bone like many of us. Like well, not many of us, but all of us. He became a human being. Before Mary became pregnant, before men came from the east and followed a star and all that sort of thing, there was a choice by God in heaven to come and redeem us from our sin. And we're going to look at these passages in Isaiah 
uh, of what God had in mind over the next few weeks, to look at what's the big picture, what did God have in mind here, and coming to grips with God's purpose for us and how we're involved in that purpose as well. And how, what we're going to look at over the next few weeks is what they're referred to as the servant songs in Isaiah. So there's four different passages in Isaiah which are labeled servant songs where they describe uh, who the servant of God will be and what he will be like. And the longest of these is actually in Isaiah 52 and 53. And we're going to read them today. And it describes who the servant king is that's going to come. Now, as we read through, this is quite a long passage, but as we read through it, I want you to do this. Imagine if this was describing you. If you were Jesus 700 years before you come to earth, you are in heaven, and this is what's being prophesied. This has been outlined your life. Have a think about how you would react to that. So Isaiah 52 Verse 13 says this, See my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there have been many who were appalled at him, his appearance was disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see and what they have not heard they will understand. That's the end part of chapter 52, and then it goes into Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was, tr- he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed." We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He, is a pre- he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a sla- lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of the people he was punished. He was assigned to a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he had suffered, he will see the light of life, and he will be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life until death and was numbered with the transgressions. 
transgressors, sorry, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, you're probably thinking, man, this is meant to be Christmassy and light and hopeful, and that doesn't sound that good to me. You know, like, if, if you were Jesus and you heard Isaiah prophesy this and write this down, you would have been thinking, hang on, Dad, can we, you know, can we tweak this a bit? This life doesn't sound too flash. Like, I'm, I'm rejected, I'm, 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 you know, put outside of the city, they're going to kill me, no one's going to like me. And yet God's response to this in Isaiah 53 verse 10 is, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. What is going on here? What's going on is it links right back to that first, first passage that we looked at in Philippians 2, that Jesus surrenders his rights in order to fulfill God's purpose for the world. There is this short amount of pain for a huge amount of gain. In um, the uh, contemporary English version of Philippians 2, it says this, Andrew, you don't have this one, but Christ was truly God, but he did not try and remain equal with God. Instead, he gave up everything and became a slave when he became like one of us. Consider for a moment you giving up everything that you have a right to. Now, you're probably thinking, yeah, well, that's, that, that's not such a big deal. No, 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 let, let's, let's put this into context for a minute. Let's say, for example, uh, you've got your New Zealand, you're obviously a New Zealander, but you're living overseas in, in, in another country. Maybe you're in India or somewhere like that. Um, and then COVID-19 hits, okay? So, you know, you can imagine what that's like. We've, we've, that's, that's the year that we've been through. So you're stuck in, in, in India, and you, the pandemic is just starting to break out in India, and you're going, man, this, this is bad. I've, I've got to get back to New Zealand. And then you can't find your passport. You know, you, you've lost your passport. And you go to the embassy and you say, um, okay, can, can I get my passport? I've I really got to get back to New Zealand. It's safe there. It's not safe here. I need to get back. And they go, oh, sorry, I, I, you're not on the list. Sorry, are you a New Zealand citizen? And, and suddenly, you know, there's no record. Imagine that. You know, imagine that you've got, you know, no rights as a New Zealand citizen any, anymore. And, and you're, you're, you're stuck there. You're stuck overseas. How would that feel? You, you'd just, you'd want to like, you, you, everything inside you would go, but I'm entitled to this. This is who I am. You know, come on, New Zealand government, you've got to get me back here. You've got to sort this out. You would claim all the rights that you could, right? And Jesus could have done that. When the Father said to him, I need this world that I love. I need all the people in it to be redeemed. I need someone to go and become like one of them and actually go and serve them and die for them and redeem them and bring them back into a relationship with me. I, who will do that? Christ, will you do that? Jesus, will you do this? He didn't go, oh, no, 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 but that, that's kind of not my deal. You know, that's not my groove. That's not my thing. You know, I'm here. I'm the king of kings. No, he willingly surrenders. He willingly takes on this life of a servant. 
And the rub in all of this is in Philippians 2.5 where it says, hey, do the same. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ who gave up his rights. So we are to willingly surrender our rights. What does that look like in, in, in real terms? Well, in, in Christianity, we often talk about giving up our sin, and rightfully we should, because our sin, that which we are, attitudes that we're holding or actions that we're doing in our lives that are rebelling against God, of, you know, of course we know that God wants us to get rid of those things in our lives. But actually, God asks us to give up everything. Everything in our lives. Our future hopes. Our money. Our time. What the choices that we make in our lives. He goes, no, surrender them all to me. Give give your whole life to me. With Jesus, it's an all or nothing deal. It's either you're all in or you're not. And Jesus models this for us by giving up everything that he was entitled to in order to fulfill the purposes of God. Now you might, say, you might be saying, well, why should I surrender all? I, I have a pretty good life. I actually, there's quite a few things in life I quite enjoy, thank you very much, and I don't really want to surrender those, those rights to those things. However, in that act of surrender, in that willingness to obey, anything that God is calling you to do, you come in to the purposes of God that he has for your life. And that life is of a greater purpose than you could ever imagine. And Christ willingly surrenders for that greater purpose. The second thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus accepts even persecution and suffering in order to achieve the salvation that was needed. Now, even for Jesus, you might say, well, that's Jesus. You know, he's God. He can, he can handle a bit of suffering, a bit of persecution. But it doesn't seem like it was easy for him. Remember Gethsemane? He's in the garden and he's crying out to God and saying, God, please take this cup. Is there another way? You know, do we have to do it this way? And I'm sure in your life you've been there. Where you're going through a dark time, you're going through a difficult time in your life, and you're crying out to God and going, God, is there another way? Please let there be another way. But sometimes we go through those difficult uh, seasons in our lives to come through into what God's purpose is for us. And know that if you if you're in that season at the moment, or you've you think you might be going through that season, that Christ has been there as well. And he will empower you. He will support you. He'll help you through that season. In Isaiah 5, verse 6 and 7, it says this, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from the mocking and the spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Now, what does that mean, to set his face like flint, that he might not be put to shame? Well, flint, in in this time, was a a very hard rock that if you struck steel against it, it would cause a spark. It It was a very, it was a hardened rock that if you came up against it, you know, it's going to do damage to whatever 
is, is going to touch it. And so um, Jesus knew that as he did this, as he took on the purposes of God for himself, as he took on this for our salvation, for the, the redemption of the world, that he had to stay focused on that purpose. And that's an encouragement to us as well. That even when we go through difficult times, or maybe there's times in our lives where we're just not feeling that God is close to us at the moment, or that life has just got too difficult and we're just getting too busy that we, we kind of set aside our devotional time or whatever it is, and God's calling us back again to say, no, no, set your face like Flint. Keep, keep your heart and your mind focused on the purposes of God for your life. Because as you do that, I will be there. I will get you through this. I will support you. He will never leave us or forsake us. So sometimes there is a place for us going through short-term su- suffering to achieve a long-term gain. It's what Christ did and what he calls us to. And I don't know what that might look like for you, but I can see um, a time coming in uh, us as a church, and a church, when I say church, I mean right across the nation of New Zealand, where we will be challenged because there will be, we will face the challenge of rejection, of persecution. What, what does that look like? Well, I, I can see that our government has an increasing liberal agenda. And most of us probably sit at the more conservative end of um, the, the moral spectrum. And, and as that liberal agenda starts rolling out in our country, and we kind of look at that agenda and go, hang on a minute, I'm not so sure if I'm comfortable with that. I was talking to uh, a family with some young kids just this week, and... Um, they're talking about getting their children into Christian school. And I said, well, why? What, why why it's so important for you to uh, have your children in a Christian school? And they just go, man, we look at the, the, the teaching, the, the secular curriculum that's out there now, and they just go, we just can't send our child to a school like that. There is, our society is shifting significantly in their area of uh, values and morals. And uh, there will come a time where in your workplace or your school or in your family where you're going to take a stand, you're going to say, no, but this is God's standard. And it's going to be a hard stand to take because those around you are going to go, oh, come on, really? Are you one of those? You know, are you, are you back in the dark ages or something? Are you just so conservative? And you you going to have to make a choice and that may affect the relationships around you are we willing like Christ to continue to serve a world that will reject us because the danger is that the, the, the temptation for us is oh we'll just back off from the world we'll, we won't engage but no that's not the choice that we've got Jesus engaged in our world. Jesus got into the mess. He jumped out of heaven and got his feet in the mud of all our mess and grime and and, and messiness here. He got involved. He intervened. He became one of us. He, He suffered alongside us. And so we are called to engage in the world. 
But we also need to be aware that when we do that, there will be challenges. In Isaiah 53, verse 11, it turns to some good news. Uh, He will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because He poured out his life unto death and was numbered among the transgressors. And Philippians 2, as we'll look at next week, talks about because Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him to the highest place. There is a protection in the present life. There is a reward for those who will endure. But we have to endure. We have to get through the pain to go through the gain. We have to walk and God's will, and stay true to that will. Even though the world may pressure us to do otherwise, we need to stand strong um, with Christ and his purposes. Always keeping that greater vision in mind. Uh, Many of you will know uh, Sarah Taylor, who leads our uh, Ignite uh, ministry on Friday night, and uh, Sarah is now eight and a half months, no, about eight months pregnant, something like that. And, uh, but she has had a really difficult pregnancy. We really feel for her in the office. She comes in every day and Jonty and I go, uh, how are we going today? And she's like, mm, you know, she's had a lot of morning sickness and yeah, she's just been yeah, a, a, a real challenge for her. And, uh, and the only hope that we could give is go, Sarah, it's all worth it in the end. Like, you know, it's just, just a few more weeks to go, you know. And, and, and you know, if, you, if you've got a difficult pregnancy or something like that, you've got to keep the vision in mind, don't you? You've got to go, this is going to be all worth it. There is going to be a beautiful baby at the end of this. Um, to, to get you through all the pain and the, and, uh, and the suffering. And, and God calls us sometimes to seasons where it's difficult, um, when we're serving the purposes of God in the world around us. But if we endure like Christ, as, as we hold true and follow his example, we'll see the fruit, the tremendous fruit, the unimaginable fruit of people's lives around us changed of the kingdom of God coming to earth like we were praying about before. Acts 13 verse 36 says this, that King David served the purposes of God in his generation. I love that line, in his generation. Here's the question that I'll pose to you today. Are you serving the purposes of God in your generation? Are you being God's hands and feet here and now, in all that you're doing during the week, in all your interactions, in all that he's called you to do? Are you willingly surrendering your rights? Are you willingly enduring persecution or rejection, even when you you have to hold to the truth of what God's called you to do? Are you keeping your mind and your heart set on the vision that God has for you? And not only for you, but what he wants to do through you to others. Despite the circumstances that we're going through. One of the most important things that we celebrate at Christmas is, that, is the fact that God fulfilled his purpose to bring us into a relationship with himself 
despite what it costs. And what I want you to see today is that hundreds of years before he even came as a baby, he chose, he made that decision to do whatever it takes to fulfill the purposes of God so that we could be here, that we could go to heaven, that that God's spirit would be released in us and that we would live his life. He made that all possible for us. And he's calling us to do the same. And he's saying, hey, for the generation that you live in, for those around you, make the sacrifice. Endure the persecution. It's a little bit of short-term pain now, but there's so much gain later. It means that the kingdom of God can come through you, to your family, to your kids, to your cousins as they gather around for Christmas meal, or to your workplaces, to those that you're reaching out to into the community. And it all starts... It all starts with that choice to surrender for the greater cause. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.